But then I hit a point where I realized the beer, no matter how many I drink, is not giving me that buzz. Ending um, a drinking session with double whiskeys and tequila, not for the taste, but to try and get the buzz. And then I realized this is becoming... Welcome to the Tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. First of all, thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you for posting those lovely reviews. We got this beautiful feedback from Sandra. Sandra had heard our very first episode, which is my sorry tale of how I got hooked on the booze. And this is what she said. I'm listening to your podcast here in Australia. It's my first ever podcast and your story is fantastic and uplifting. Oh, thank you, Sandra. That's so kind. And I just love the fact that we've introduced you to a whole new world, the world of podcasting. So this week I'm chatting to Mariki, a lovely lady who came to a workshop a couple of years ago, got sober, and has been an inspiration to our community ever since. I began our conversation by asking Mariki to tell us a bit about herself. Yes, so I live in in Alberton. It's a town a little bit south of Johannesburg. Um, I live and work in this town. I'm single. I've been divorced many, many years. Uh, I'm heading towards being 60. And, um, yes, I'm blessed with two beautiful daughters. One is 30 years old, the other 27. I'm the marketing and fundraising manager at the local hospice, Stepping Stone Hospice in Alberton. But I've been a journalist for most of my life. Oh, how interesting. Yes. Okay, well, today I'm playing that role of the journalist. (laughs) Well, uh, judging from your questions, you're not doing too badly, I must say. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> I'm still learning, but doing my best. Yeah. So let me take you back in time a little. Uh, when when did you first start worrying about your, your relationship with your alcohol? You know, Janet, I think throughout the years, it's a steady build-up to a point where it's really becoming a, a big worry. You know, I mean, they were very, they were often alarm bells. But I think, to me, the the real, the real moment was when I realized I'm a beer drinker, you know. And people would often comment on how fast I drink. You know, I would drink beers if I'm gulping down uh, gallons of water. But then I hit a point where I realized the beer, no matter how many I drink, is not giving me that buzz. Ending um, a drinking session with double whiskeys and tequila, not for the taste, but to try and get the buzz. 
And then I realized this is becoming a problem, you know. Um, yeah, so it's true, isn't it? Us drinkers, where we're often chasing that buzz, and kind of normal yes. drinkers, they they don't really do that, do they? Have you noticed? <laughs> no, I mean, I used to sit in amazement and watch people drink one or two beers. I wouldn't stop till I eat a certain buzz, and from there it's downward. Yes. So, Mariki, you once managed uh, 14 months alcohol-free and then you decided to moderate, didn't you? How did that work out for you? Talk us through your moderation experiment. (laughs) Well, um, how did it work out is here I am. Uh, Actually, (laughs) it didn't work out. No. um, Yes, it was my birthday, December. Uh, I was 14 months. I was at the golf club. And a friend said, oh, man, just have one little uh, shooter with us on your birthday. Surely it can do no harm. So I had that one shooter. Three days later, I went and bought six beers. And, yeah, from there on, I actually started, I can honestly say after that episode, the drinking really started getting out of hand. The big lesson to be learned is that um, if you think you're going to moderate, you're not going to moderate, you're going to escalate. Yes, yes, absolutely. It is no moderation in this. only escalation. Um, I think it's so important to appreciate that once we've crossed a line with our drinking, which you and I certainly had, there's no going back, really. We have to yeah. to ditch the stuff and, and yeah. you know, reconfigure everything, don't we? That's yeah. the only way forward. Yeah, you know, I used to smoke and I gave up smoking in the year 2000. And at that point, I also knew that I wouldn't talk today. I won't even touch a cigarette. I won't hold a cigarette for someone. Um, I won't touch. Uh, if someone smokes near me, I walk away because I know the danger. You know? Yeah, yeah, the triggers. The triggers, um, yeah. yeah, talking of triggers, um, do you drink alcohol-free drinks at all? Yes. And that oh, is yeah, thanks yeah. To, to World Without Wine. You know, I never knew that these things actually exist. I yes. And look, the taste of beer, I love the taste of beer, you know. It's the ethanol in beer that's the big problem. So Yes, exactly. I, yeah, I do. I would have every now and again I have an alcohol-free beer. And I think the beauty of it is you can have one or two and it's enough. Exactly, because uh, alcohol-free drinks aren't addictive and they're not diuretics, so you're not always thirsty wanting to go on to the next one. I also uh, can take alcohol-free drinks with no problem, but I know, for example, AA, they they say don't touch them because it might trigger you. So I think we're all different in that, aren't we? I think, Janet, to be honest, um, the triggers, if, if we get to understand our triggers, it's outside of the alcohol. I think if, if if I don't know how to explain this quite nicely, but to me, my triggers are not looking or holding a, a bottle of beer. Mm. I think the trigger is loneliness. It's feeling inadequate it, and recognizing those triggers and working with that. Exactly. And the loneliness thing, I think that's what um, 
encourages us to build a relationship with alcohol, doesn't it? Yeah. Rather than making the effort to get out yeah. there and, and yeah. bond Tonight, with people. You mentioned that the other day in a WhatsApp group, the relationship that you built. I think yeah. someone asked you why is it dangerous to drink on your own and you mentioned the relationship you built. And that was also another light bulb moment for me. To understand that it's a relationship you build. Yeah, yeah. And that's why the, the goodbye to letter is so powerful, I think, because we're, yes. we're finishing that relationship. Yes, yes, yes. It's closure. Yeah. So some of us, not all of us, have had a, a rock bottom before we made the change. I don't know if you remember mine from the workshop, but I had this terrible kind of walking, talking blackout, and I lost oh, a, yes, almost yes, an yes. entire day, and that frightened me, and that's why yeah. I, I finally changed. Did you yeah. have a, an experience like that? I think I had two. The first one was... Um, a very, very good friend of mine that I respected, I really respected her and um, it, it happened also at the golf club in the bar and I had too much to drink and I was talking too much and I said a few things that I could see was really, really hurting her and I didn't stop. It was like I just carried on and um Afterwards, I realized, you know, you cannot undo these things. It's, it's, you yeah. can ask for uh, forgiveness, you can explain yourself, you can do all of that, but you somehow can't undo the damage. The one that really got me was, um, again, I played in a, a championship golf team, and I happened to wonder um, my division. And, uh, of course, it was big celebration. But then I saw all these missed calls on my phone from my daughter, my youngest daughter, like 14 missed calls. So I phoned to see what's the problem. And she was in hospital. She had an a incident. I'm trying to remember what it was. I can't even remember what it was, you know. And the frightening thing was I was thinking how inconvenient. You know, I want to sit and drink. Now I must rush off to a hospital. And that was it. That was my moment. That was, there was no, I realized that I'm busy putting the alcohol in front of everything and everyone that I love, you know. Yeah, it, it, it makes you realize what power it has over you. Yeah, I mean, that feeling of inconvenience, I, I, yeah. I struggled to forgive myself for that. But I did manage to get to her. But lo and behold, once I knew she was okay, I went straight back to the bar. Some of us, we just seem to need that wake-up call, don't we? Definitely. So when you came along to the workshop, uh, Mariki, what, uh, what were your objectives? Were you thinking, uh, I'm going to stop, or maybe this workshop will help me cut down my drinking? What, what were your goals when you came along? I think at the time I came to the workshop, I was already about two or three months sober. But I hit a, a, a very down period, and I'm, I reached out on our WhatsApp group, and you then mentioned that I should come to the workshop. And I think at the time, I wanted to go to the workshop for affirmation, in a sense, affirmation that I made the right decision to give up the drink, and also to try and understand what a life without alcohol will be like. 
But I often think this journey is in two stages. You know, first of all, we have to ditch the drink, which yeah. you'd already done when you got to the workshop, and then we have to to reconfigure our lives. You know, so hopefully yeah. the workshop gave you some pointers how to do that. Yes, definitely. I mean, just listening to you and Lynette and Sue. So listening to you guys and and seeing you in action and. You know, I I could understand that there is life after alcohol. <laughs> yeah, something else you said there, Marika, that I don't know if we're on the, uh, you saw it on one of the WhatsApp groups this morning, but uh, I think many of us, I certainly did, and it sounds like you were having one. You have a kind of down after a few months. You think, okay, yeah, you know, so yeah. I'm not drinking, but then it, there's yeah. this feeling, well, is this it? You know, have I yeah. have I lost more than I? here yeah so um, and and I think that's a kind of normal part of the process and I was talking to someone the other day about this uh, concept of liminal space I don't know if you you've heard about that but it's a kind of void in our minds and that's when the the kind of magic happens that's what if you just can sit with that void then your gradually your creativity and your motivation will 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 Um, come back but you have to go through this kind of rather flat period which uh, is when a lot of people give up so if there's anyone listening to this that is a few months sober but feeling fed up about it then hang in there (laughs) it's a down moment but it's also a golden moment it's a moment of opportunity you know And, and and if you have the courage to just sit through it try and understand what is going on you're listening to a podcast from tribe sober if you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab that's www.tribesober.com yeah i think to do this thing for many of us we need courage and we need confidence don't we and we just have oh, to yeah. hang in there um alcoholics are the most courageous people in the world <laughs> Yes, yes. Because what's lovely about those shares at the beginning of the workshop, Mariki, is um, I often think it's the complete opposite of a pretentious cocktail party. You know, there's kind of parties where everybody's trying to impress everybody. Maybe you have them at the golf club sometimes. Oh, no. <laughs> but this, but this, yeah. um, these shares, they're like the, the complete opposite of that because people, um, they just make themselves vulnerable and they they tell it like it is to a bunch of complete strangers. But somehow we manage to create that safe space and, and it's a, a magical process. It never, I've done, how many have I done? 45 workshops now. I've always been amazed by how open people are and it's as if, they really need to tell that story and maybe they've never never told that story to anybody before not even themselves it's amazing you know it's a it's a difficult thing because you know the thing is if if people say if you haven't been there you're not going to understand it you know yeah. i still get people asking me but you never really had a big problem <laughs> yes can't you just have one now <laughs> one for heaven's sake and you know they don't they just simply don't get it whilst in our group and in our uh tribe we understand exactly what it, what we're going through yeah so we don't feel so um weird you know we we know that there's plenty of other people around like ourselves 
So in your beautiful goodbye to alcohol letter, which you're going to read for us a little bit later, you talk about a light bulb moment about one month into sobriety. Can you can you remember that? I found that quite interesting. Can you elaborate a little bit on your light bulb moments? That unless I explore the reasons I allowed myself or allowed alcohol to take hold of me, I will always turn back to it, you know. Yeah, that's when I, I just realized that um, it's not about just uh, sucking it up and not drinking. It's about much more than that. And yes, it's a whole kind of self-analysis process, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Janet, honestly, I, I honestly believe that alcohol has put a barrier or a wall between me and me, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm. So, oh, totally. So, we use it to disassociate with ourselves, don't we, yeah. to, to numb ourselves, really, because it's so much easier yeah. just to do that than to cope yeah. with what's yeah. really going on. Yeah, and and if you can remove that wall, it's, it's actually a beautiful place to be at. Once you learn to process your emotions rather than numbing them, you, you get to know yourself. Yeah, and then the work starts, and then the beauty starts, and I think then the healing starts. So it's yeah. So that was my light bulb moment, and I just thought I'm going to take this head on, you know, no matter what, no matter what I'm going to feel or experience or or the tears or whatever, I want to get to me. Yeah, and yeah, it's still going on. I'm still there. Uh, so you you were a few months sober when you came to the workshop, and then after that, uh, you you carried on being alcohol free. Did you have any period where you went back to day one, or was it were you pretty firmly set after that? I think uh, no, no, I never went back to day one, and I think um, I just realised that this is it. If I now go back to day one, I will never ever. Be able to give it up again. I know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like I would be tired of trying again. It always it, that makes me think of what Sue is always saying. She says, um, "I don't think I have another recovery in me." I oh, think that's yes, quite yes. profound. When we recognise that, we realise how important it is to stay yeah. stay on this road. And also, Janet, you know, you realise at our ages anyway, you've got X amount of years left. I really want to make that the best. The exactly. Best. And at least we want to, even if they're not great years, we need to notice them, <laughs> not let yeah, them just slip by in a blur. Yeah, be present in it, you know, um, good or bad. I want to feel it all. Yes. You're listening to Goodbye to Alcohol, a podcast from World Without Wine. If you'd like a bit of support to change your relationship with alcohol, then please check out our membership program on worldwithoutwine.com. Yes, and, and I think for me, once I uh, acknowledge that we're not put on this earth to be happy 24-7, you know, we're yeah. going to have good days, we're going to have bad days, and it's part of being human to go with that flow. Yes. Whereas before, when I was drinking a lot, I, I always wanted to feel up, you know, feel that buzz, and uh, if I felt depressed, I think I'll have a glass of bubbly to cheer me up, you know, that kind of nonsense. But it, yeah. it just makes so much more sense to to go through those um you know down times because now i know that probably tomorrow or if not tomorrow at least next week you know i'll be feeling feeling good again yeah it's it's um you know be present in your life uh, 
people, they, they would ask you, but how do you feel now that you don't drink? And I would say that I feel life. I like that. I feel life. <laughs> yeah, I feel life as I think we're supposed to feel it. Um, so, Samariki, so you're, you're now a very valued uh, World Without Wine member. Can, can you tell us what the main benefits of being a member have been for you? Because you were sober after the workshop. You didn't have to sign up and become a member. Yeah. Talk to me about why that's, that's helped you stay on track. Janet, I, I do believe it's the connection with people. And but secondly, I th- World Without Wine opened a whole new world for me. I honestly didn't think or didn't know about three quarters of the literature out there, the podcasts, the non-alcoholic drinks. I mean, I couldn't wait to get my hands on some of the books you recommended. Um, at the time, that period when I was uh, 14 months alcohol-free, I was actually with the AA. So I honestly thought the only literature around uh, alcohol is the big book. Um, it is a new world. And that's, I think, I mean, AA is fantastic and it's helped millions of people, but it was started 100 years ago. And, yes. and now that we've got the internet, there's many, many different ways that yeah. we can uh, embark on this journey and get some yeah. support. And it's like um, it's a modern it's a modern approach to this problem. It's a real approach to what we are going through now in these times, you know. Yeah, no, so I absolutely value it. I will not go off. I've been tempted once or twice to go off the WhatsApp group, but I can't. Every now and again, a gem <laughs> arises, you know, um, and there's another person yes. there, and it, it's just beautiful to to read it all, you know. I've recently discovered how you can star WhatsApp messages. I mean, you probably know that anyway, but it's oh, uh, really? it's it's great, and I keep thinking, oh, I must star that one. So because yeah, yeah. if you star a message, it, it saves it for you, so you can find it easily. But now oh. I've got so many starred messages. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I especially the references to books and things, you know. I try and write it down when I see it. What, what do you recommend very, to people? The very first book was The Sober Diaries. And you know that I still go back to that book. So say uh, I remember in about three months, four months, when I hit a low, then I reference back to that book to where she, where she was at at four months. And oh, then right. would, yeah, then she would explain that feeling and I think, hang on, now it makes sense, you know, the way she would explain it. So I refer back. What a great way to use that book, I, I must tell her. Were you in our Zoom conversation when we had her on as our guest? No, unfortunately oh. not her. And yeah, Claire is is great. If I was to ask you, uh, Marika, to give me your top three benefits of alcohol living, which ones would you pick? I know there's hundreds of them. I think the top three is that I can go to bed without any regrets of what I've said, what I didn't say, what I did, what I didn't do. And another one is um, I've I've really... I've really achieved amazing successes in my workplace, uh, which I've never achieved before. I've more than doubled the budget, 
Um, and I think the, the reason for that is to be, again, to be present on more structured, more disciplined. So that's the other benefit. And then thirdly, I, the fact that I can be available. I'm available to people who need me, mostly my children, my family. If there's a crisis, I can get in my car and get to them. And what's been the reaction of your daughters? Are they proud of you or do they not mention well, it? What's, what's that? I think they, they're extremely proud of me. You know, they would often tell their friends whenever my mom doesn't drink. I can see they're pretty proud of it. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah, I think that we do, uh, although, I, you know, I never judge anybody because I was, you know, worse than most people and I never um, suggest to people that they make a change. But I think that often we're, we're kind of role modelling this without even realising. Yes, yeah, and role modelling it to important people in yes. our lives, you know. So what what do you say, uh, Mariki, these days when you're offered a drink? I mean, when you meet some strangers at your golf club or something and they're all saying, oh, what do you mean you don't drink? How, how do you deal with that kind of pressure? I, you know, I keep it short and simple and I try and avoid any debates around it. So I try and just be firm and just say, thank you, uh, I don't drink. If you have an alcohol-free drink, I'll join you. And I think it, it gets easier, doesn't it, over over time? Yeah, I used to feel quite sheepish about it at the beginning, but now I love yeah. telling people that I don't drink. <laughs> no, it was horrible in the beginning because I was yeah. known. I was known as one of one of the drinkers, you know. Yeah. And when yes. we go on the golf trips, um, that's it. You know, nine o'clock in the morning, I was the first one to open a drink. So um, plus the plus the fact that in those early days we actually want to drink as well, so it's like yeah. a double whammy. Isn't it? And so uh, in the beginning, I would after a golf game may have one alcohol-free beer and excuse myself very quickly. Yeah. So I remove yeah. myself out of a situation where a debate can happen. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, we we pick up these these tips and techniques, don't we, as as we go through the journey until yes, yeah. in the end, you've got a toolkit for almost anything that might happen. Yeah. So in the beginning, yes, it's a bit of a lonely space. I then just started surrounding myself more and more with people who don't drink. That's and the secret, I, isn't it? We need to find our tribe so yeah. we don't feel yeah. as if we're yeah. alone. So if you could go back in the years to a time when you were really drinking at, at your peak, um, what would you say to yourself? How would you persuade yourself to make a change? I would, um, I would tell myself there's one thing, and this is that this is not going to end well. This journey is not going to end well, and you might as well save yourself some heartache. Yeah, I'm sure that as you work in a hospice, you, you see people um, dying, you know, yeah. of alcoholism. So you, yeah. you know it's not a nice ending. So there'll be li people listening to this that have either just embarked on this, uh, this journey or they're thinking about it. What would you say to them? What would you recommend that they, they do to get started and, and then to stay on track? I would honestly, I would tell them to, number one, accept it's not going to be easy. Tell themselves that they do have the courage and they do have the strength to see it through. 
So, so first of all, it's a little bit of a chat to yourself to, to understand it's not going to be easy, but that you do have it in you. And then, you know, join a tribe, join people that are like-minded and reach out. Absolutely. Don't wait, yeah. Don't wait to talk. There's nothing wrong with wanting to drink. And no one's recovery process is the same, Janet. I mean, no, I experienced no. the beginning. I see these people are doing yoga and they're on this health thing and they're losing weight and I was doing none of that, absolutely yeah. none of that. You know, I the first few months I was so tired, I basically just wanted to, I would come from work, lie on the couch and eat. And I remember reaching out and you actually said then that um, – what I'm going through is quite normal and persevere. I remember also reaching out when I was feeling very low and I said, I said it in the group that, that I'm so low and I can't stop crying and I don't know what's going on with me. And then immediately you would respond or someone would respond and say, yeah. normal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think the, the exhaustion is, is very true. And uh, I think that's why it's called in recovery, you know, because our poor bodies have to recover from all these years of abuse. And not just our, our bodies, Janet. I found my mind. I became emotionally yes. tired of fighting this and fighting this. And yeah. sometimes yeah. I wanted my mind to stop, you know. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, my advice oh. really to to stay absolutely connected and and soak up as much information as you can about this about alcoholism. Yeah, I mean they say that connection is the opposite of addiction, don't they? And I think that's so true. Okay, well, one of the tools, as you well know, in our uh, workshop toolkit is a goodbye to alcohol letter. And in this letter, we're writing to alcohol as if it's been an abusive lover in our life. And I think that's just the perfect analogy. Mm. Over to you. Righto. Dear alcohol, or should I say dear ethanol, anyway, a debate for another day. Took me a while to write you this letter, as our paths parted quite some time ago, 18 months to be exact. However, I do feel I owe you some kind of explanation as we had been companions for most of my adult life. Not that I think you deserve much, but at least it will allow for some closure. You saw me coming all those years ago, insecure, completely not comfortable in my own skin, feeling out of place and not really belonging anywhere. A young university student introduced to your charming ways by some fellow students. You made me feel part of the game. You made me feel okay. Not that I fell for you completely at the time, but you cleverly planted the seed. Life happened. I qualified as a journalist, got married, gave birth to two beautiful daughters, got divorced, suing one disastrous relationship after the other, and all the while having you as a backup, almost like a kept lover, used when needed. However, you became more and more demanding of my time, jealous of my relationships, showing me your narcissistic side. You wanted all of me. It's time, you said, and I foolishly agreed. To my credit, I did manage to keep some sort of a balance. Well, I thought so anyway. Never got arrested. How? I don't know. 
never had an accident, how, I don't know. Never landed in a hospital with alcohol poisoning, how, I don't know. And my children still love me, and that brings tears to my eyes. Oh, I did try and ban you from my life once. I succeeded for 14 months and then thought it would be okay if we just have an occasional meet-up. I honestly thought you and I would both be okay with it. But no, that's not how you operate, is it? It's an all-or-nothing kind of situation with you. And in hindsight, I cannot believe that I couldn't sense that. And so it came to be that in my late 50s, I would find myself on my knees, morning after morning praying for an answer, desperately seeking for a way out of this roller coaster mess I found myself in. Just to find myself back with you by five in the afternoon, the pattern quite clear by now. Ethanol happy for a few hours, then feeling depressed, then anxiety sets in, finding some form of tablet to help me sleep, getting sick in the night, up at the crack of dawn, back on my knees, searching for an answer. The answer did come eventually, and to your utter dismay. I discovered the World Without Wine group. Something resonated with me, and I decided to join, to commit, and to keep myself accountable to the rest of the tribe. For one, they opened my eyes and my ears to a whole world of literature and podcasts and helpful tips, and sometimes they were just there, cheering me on as I maneuvered my new life without you. Was it difficult to get you out of my system? Hell yes. But I had a light bulb moment about a month into sobriety. I came to realize that unless I explore the reasons I allowed you to take such a hold of me, I will always turn back to you. Why did I not like myself? Why was I so out of sorts with myself? I threw myself completely and utterly into the middle of the arena where I got my ass kicked on so many levels with feelings and emotions and healing I would never have allowed previously. The journey back to me started. I'm still on this journey and I know it's a road less traveled. I know there will always be an obstacle and I know you are waiting in the dark spaces, ready to lurch. But I'm heading towards the light, further and further away from you. All the while taking time to smell the roses, taking time to be grateful and mostly taking time for myself, understanding me and loving me. So this is my final goodbye. I thank you for the lessons. I can't say I wish you well, but I can say that I, for one, will never cross paths with you again. It's time. Mariki, April 2020. <laughs> Beautiful, Mariki. Thank you so much. Can you carry on heading into the light now? <laughs> I will head to the light. Thank you so much, Janet. And thank you for your insight in starting this group, this, this uh, movement, you know. As usual, I'm going to pull out three points which particularly struck me about that conversation. First of all, Mariki explained that dependence on alcohol had kind of sneaked up on her over the years. That's such a common story. Did you know that 20% of regular social drinkers will become dependent over the years? And when I say social drinkers, I mean people that are having a glass or two of wine most evenings a week. So all I'm saying is treat alcohol with caution 
It is an addictive drug, and many people can manage it sensibly throughout their lives, but 20% of the population probably can't. Mariki also talked about chasing the buzz. I think us drinkers love that buzz we, we get after a few glasses of wine, and we just want to prolong it, so we carry on drinking and drinking, and, and that's where we get into trouble. There is a category of drinker called the almost alcoholic It's a really interesting syndrome, and I'm going to devote a whole solo episode to it. But what you should know is that chasing the buzz is a warning sign that you might be an almost alcoholic. So is uh, drinking alone is another warning sign. Drinking to relax at the end of a day. Drinking more than the recommended limit of a bottle and a half of wine a week is actually a warning sign. The final point I just wanted to emphasize was that Mariki said that she was using alcohol to put a wall up, a wall between herself and herself. I know exactly what she means. We use alcohol to numb ourselves, to disassociate ourselves from our feelings. But in fact, feelings are very important. Not only are they signposts to things that we might have to change in our lives, but they're also how we grow. Our personal growth comes from getting through difficult times and managing. So let me end this episode with a really important piece of advice. If you use alcohol, then take regular breaks to test your dependence. Every few months or so, have a month off alcohol. If you breeze through it, then that's fantastic. No problem. But if you can't get through it, or if you really struggle then you probably need to make some changes. So that's it from me. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, share, and leave us one of those lovely reviews. Till next time. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.